to this week's episode of the One Broke Actress Podcast, an honest account of actor life, plus a few lessons I learned in the process. I am your host, Sam Valentine, a.k.a. One Broke Actress. Oh my gosh, we have Brian Pataka on today. I can't even wait to have you listen to this episode because it might be the most packed full of information that any one podcast has yet had. Brian Pataka is my career coach along with several, several other successful actors in this city. If you don't know him, you are about to fall in love. Not only is he hilarious and awesome and rather good looking, he is also so full of information on the business of acting, on the universe, on on everything. Let me break it down for you. So Brian was an actor And he still is to this day. However, it is not his main goal anymore. He realized that his calling was more in the coaching aspect. He talks us all through that journey, how he got here from New York as a successful actor. And as he succeeded more, he started to like it less and the signals that the universe gave him to kind of knock that down. He also really goes in depth with us today, guys, about the business of acting and his advice on getting reps, on taking meetings, on getting auditions. It is so good and he only has more to tell you about on his websites and all of the things he talks about today will be linked in the show notes as well as on the One Broke Actress website. I think that that's it. I need to take a breath because I got so excited. (laughs) So um, today's episode is sponsored by Red Mouse Pictures. You'll hear some words from them later on in the episode. If you listen to their bonus episode, thank you so much. If not, go back and listen. Get a little something about reels in your day. All right, let's get on to the podcast. Without further ado, please enjoy Brian Pataka. Here with Brian Pataka. Hi. Hi, good to see you. Thanks so much for coming. I'm really glad I am. Uh, go ahead. Really excited because I get to ask you questions <laughs> instead of vice versa. I know I'm very nervous about this. No, yeah. you're not. Do your audience people know that you're a client? Uh, yes, they do. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. I've oh. mentioned and tagged you in several posts so far. I don't think you know that. Okay, great. I'm, I'm trying to like those back whenever I see them. I should be a better Instagrammer. Um, the uh, this is very putting me on the spot, but you know, if you do anything I don't like, I'll just tell them something about you. Although okay. I guess you're you're kind of an open book. Yeah, there's okay. not a lot. Yeah, great. <laughs> if you guys <laughs> stuff, it's pretty all out there. So basically, let's just start out with explaining how you got to where you were, because I want people to know your acting background and kind of where you come from. Sure. So um, I'm gonna answer this almost backwards. So uh, I was in New York City uh, in a show for about a year and a half. For those listeners who know New York in the late 90s, early 2000s, there was a show called The Donkey Show, which was a Midsummer Night's Dream told through disco songs. It was directed by the Tony Award winning Diane Paulus. It's kind of what made her famous. Uh, So I was in the show for a year and a half and I would be backstage with the other actors and I would hear them doing a bunch of stupid bullshit for their careers. And I'd be like, this is so annoying. Come sit next to mama. And I would tell them what to do that would be better. Uh, And I had worked in advertising for two and a half years before that, like professional advertising. My clients were Broadway shows. So I was at least close to the business in that my clients were the producers of Broadway shows. So I was working on things like Bringing the Noise, Bringing the Funk, uh, On the Town, Kiss Me K. So those were my, my, the producers were sitting across from me and I was helping them with their advertising. So you had like the back end. I had the back end okay. corporate job. And at, at that point I wanted to be a producer uh, in terms of being an actor. I thought that I wanted to be a producer. And then I walked into my boss's office one day and said, you know, I don't want to grow up to be you. I figured it out. And he was a friend. So don't, I do not recommend saying that to your boss unless you're <laughs> friends with your boss. Uh, 
and then uh, so I um, and I'd gone through the Tony season with them a few times, and so I was excited by theater again, and so I was like, I'm gonna go audition, and I got in the show right away. And like I said, I would be backstage. They come sit next to Mama. We had two shows in a night, so between shows, I would be griping about their careers, and I'd be come sit next to me, and I would help them out. And quickly, they would get managers and agents pretty quickly from the work that I would doing with them. I would do with them, and then they would tell their friends, and then all of a sudden, I was like. Maybe I should charge for what I'm doing because uh, somehow I had a different angle on approaching the business. Um, and I loved it because I knew that actors tend to spend money and time when it comes to trying to make a career work. And too many of them are doing it in directions that are just wasted. And it was breaking my heart because what we want to be doing is being on stage or on camera and really expressing our artwork, right? So I was helping some people. And then a company uh, called TVI, which is no longer in New York, uh, which was a place that offered like casting director workshops recruited me to be a coach for them and a consultant. And so I'd be working with people one-on-one and then I traveled the world actually teaching the business of acting for them. So I went to London and Ireland and all over the United States of America and Canada teaching the business of acting. Oh my God, what a dream. It was a dream. It was such a dream. And also like part of me, I think I, at that point I probably suffered a little bit from imposter syndrome until I would open my mouth and the room would be like, no one's ever said this to us before. And that's when I knew like, okay, so what I'm saying is, different and so there's this Mm -hmm. continual process of me like is it a mistake that I know this like I think that a lot of us go through this like yeah am I really good at this right very real (laughs) yes very real right Uh, imposter syndrome which is not real being very real right created our own jobs and niches and yeah so that's yeah, yeah, because there's not a lot of people, there weren't a lot of people doing what I did. And also I was young. I'd just gotten out of college. Some of this was right around like 24, 25, 26, 27 range. Mm-hmm. So those of you who are listening right now, I feel like it's important to like that part of you that has that imposter part, like of course I can't help fucking coaching in the middle of talking about myself, right? <laughs> is to know that like fake it until you make it is a real thing. So then what happened is I would coach people and this consistency thing kept kept coming up. So like an actor would meet with me I'd give them a bunch of really great things to do and then I'd see them two or three months later and they would have done half of them or some of them or not stay consistent with it. And I was like, there's something missing here. And at the same time, I was doing better and better in my acting career. So I was doing commercials. I would leave town and go do, uh, I was at equity at this point. So I'd leave town and go do a theater piece and then come back to town. Um, and I got to the place where I could no longer have a day job co- coaching actors because I was working too much as an actor and I was making my living as an actor. God. And so that was a real, I had to have, and here's the trick of that. Stars physically coming out of my eyes right now. (laughs) I had to have someone else say to me, Brian, you probably need to quit your job. Like I had no, I was like, good Midwestern boy, got to have a job all the time. And they're like, Brian, you can't, like I was doing, because what was happening is I was not coaching for myself. I was coaching for this company. So I had certain hours of the day I had to be there. So it wasn't completely flexible, but I was not being a good coach because I could never be there because I was on set every day. I would, I honestly would be booking one or two commercials a week. Fuck it was off. an incredible place. Yeah, it was an incredible time. Uh, it was a really incredible time. This so is what year, what's yours this is like 2001 to mm. 2008, mm, 9, 10. Times. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, so I would do that. So, then, so I quit my job and then I was just on my own auditioning, being an actor. And then I, it wasn't enough. I need, there was more I was called to. So I would sit down with the actors who were in an acting class with me at a time. And I would create, I created a group that was an accountability group it was called actor accountability salon. We called it ass. Um, we had ass Wednesdays. <laughs> There's probably even still a Google email link somewhere. Uh, and I, in the beginning it was to me to help my career and to help them, but it became very apparent that I loved leading it, not just being in it. And How so many actors did you have in it? 
it started probably with six or eight and it was very club like it wasn't like completely organized right it was like mm-hmm. we're all going to show up then we started to add a little bit of money into it because money made you have skin in the game so you definitely show up if you paid right yep. um and we would meet every single week and what that did it was it gave us the accountability of every week we had to get certain things done to be able to keep moving forward So we would create tasks as a group. What do we think are the best, most important things for Sam to do in the next seven days to get to where she needs to be in six months from now? These are the next, these are things, right? So it's like the way you'd work at a job. So you spearheaded it, but you were also a part of it. I was a part of it, yeah. And it came very organically as part of what I wanted to be doing in my life. Um, And then, so then what happened is I quickly removed myself as an actor because I just wanted to be a coach in it and moved to L.A., I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to be an actor, going to L.A. And in L.A., this story's getting long. I hope wait, that's okay. No, no, yeah. that's what it's all about. Okay. But wait, so what was the – you were you were acting so much in New York. Yeah. So why did you feel the need to move to L.A. to be an actor? Such a good question, and now you're going to make me get personal. Okay, so <laughs> in New York, I was ho- I just hosted a home makeover show. Okay. Fun. September 11th had happened around not too okay. long – not too much previous – that's not exactly true because September 11th happened quite a few years previous, but the business, the world had changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was the making effects took a while to kind yeah, of roll out. Yeah. Right. And I was making my living as an actor still, and I was very happy. And I think happiness begets risk. Mm-hmm. When we're happy, we feel a little more safe to take a risk. I had a very serious boyfriend of five years at that point. Um, and I was like, I think I want to try LA. It never left me alone, this idea of trying LA. And then magically I found someone who would swap apartments with me in LA. She lived in my apartment in New York. I lived in her apartment in LA. I felt a little too aligned not to say yes to it. Wow. So we swapped apartments. I moved to LA. Uh, my relationship, I feel like became a casualty of that. Um, we're, Mm. I'm a very good breakup person, so we're still very good friends and love each other. (laughs) Uh, but I also think that ultimately, I mean, I believe in the universe and I believe that, you know, it was not meant to be for us to be together. So that kind of like, it was hard at the time. Right. But, um, when I got to LA, I was with Buckwald in New York, Buckwald, the agency for hosting and Buckwald in LA had already said yes to me. So I knew that when I got here, I'd at least have that in. So that gave me some sense of security. And so I was with Buckwald in LA as a host and, um, I took off running right away. Got a manager right away. Got an agent right away. I had a bunch of work that I could show, like my reel and my commercial reel. And like, so it was very hard to not trust that I could deliver. So I had an easy in for agents and managers, which I know is not the case for everybody. Also, I fucking teach the shit. So I was having to eat my own <laughs> fucking shit and do it right, right? Eat, what did it say? Eat your own. I don't know how that phrase goes. If I someone, don't yeah, whatever. I had to eat my own pudding. <laughs> um, so uh, I, did the t- I did it. And then what quickly happened is I started to get annoyed whenever I got an audition. Now, this happened at the same time as I booked like four TV gigs right away when I got here. And I didn't I know. Mean, honestly, fuck you. <laughs> I can't. I not a lot of people, I realize no one, a lot, a lot of people have that experience. Like I booked four t- co-stars like right away and like great shows. Um, I was on Des- Desperate Housewives was my first one. And then I did The Newsroom. And then I did a show called The Ringer with Sarah Michelle Geller, yep. which is not on anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I was a reporter on that. I actually was like, really? So um, what I found myself up against was I'm working really, really hard to get a day on set and it pays very little money and it didn't feel right. And that was part of the conversation. But the other part of the conversation wasn't just about money. I want to make sure that I didn't make this. I wanted to make sure I didn't make this decision only based on money because I was coming from like, um, I'm making seven, 300 to $800 on a day and I will book a commercial and make $15,000. Like, why am I even bothering to do this? Like it wasn't because I was having just as much fun. I will say I was having just as much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so what started happening is I would get in a bad mood whenever I got an audition. 
and I was like, what's that about? Now, I'm not talking about the normal anxiety that everyone gets when, like, you have to throw your day around, like, change your schedule because you have an audition. That's not what's happening. I was like, it was taking me away from coaching because I was, like, quietly coaching on the side the whole time. So you started doing yeah, that. Yeah, I started one out. Yeah. And so I had started the groups again in L.A. while I was an actor. So I was doing Actor Salon, which was my group coaching. We can talk about that when we get there, mm-hmm. right? And then I a, a, cl- a, a person who was one of my friends who's also a coach said, what if you, like, try giving up acting? And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and then I was like... She's like, how about you try for two weeks? And so I tried it for two weeks. Two weeks turned to two months, turned to six months, turned to two years, turned to me like booking multiple pilots for hosted television shows, having a business that thrives, having a turning for me to turning away from acting, being something that actually I realized was not my passion. Did you ever worry that stopping acting would illegitimize your business as being a coach of actors? In any way, I feel yeah. Like fuck IMDb right, right now. I like. I want to fuck IMDb right now so hard because if you look at my IMDb, it looks like this is a failed actor or uh-huh. someone who got somewhere and left. Right, uh-huh, uh-huh, and I'm like, uh-huh. if anyone, right. right. So if someone looks at me as a coach right now, they're like, well, is he an act? If you're thinking of me as an actor as well, then you're looking at a coach who like doesn't look like he had that much. His career stopped at one point, right? right? Which I did stop. Um, so I was concerned about it, but what's so the part that I. I think that part of the reason why I get to keep as an authority around actors is because I'm talking to hundreds every single week is a big part of it. Also because I was in it for a long time and because I was in it in New York and in LA and because I worked into a point of making my living in it, right? And it wasn't because I was magic. I'm a white guy, right? I'm, I, 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 would, I, I think that I'm vaguely attractive, so I think that that probably helps a little bit. right? I'm not gonna, but also <laughs> that I, I don't think that I had anything special that anybody else didn't have. Okay. Um, and so I, th- I think that that kind of all gives me some authority in this world, right? Um, and then I let go of the acting, and one day I told my manager, like, I think I don't want to do this more. She goes, I felt like I knew this was coming. Like, it was a very nice, amicable, this isn't you happening. You are going to break yeah. yeah, I was going to break ups, yeah. Uh, and then I really invested in making my business grow because, and to me, even the word business feels weird to say because I just got off the phone with the client before this before I record this, right? Mm-hmm. And actually not even a client, a potential client. And I was saying to him, and I this is so true, is I catch my breath at least once every day and say, this is really my life. Like I really get to do what I love every day. And that it's astounding, right? It doesn't mean I'm not on the inside of a small business trying to thrive and da, 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 da. But like I sit across, I open my front door. So I see people in real life or in the phone. Like Sam, you're an mm-hmm. in-person client, right? Yeah. And I have more clients actually that I see over the phone than I see in person. Oh, interesting. Um, so, which you didn't even know that, right? Yeah, my so, focus But when I pick up the phone, <laughs> right, right? If I pick up the phone or I open the door, like I don't know what's going to be on the other end and there's something really exciting about that. Mm-hmm. And so there's a great amount of discipline and self-management that happens on my side to be able to roll with the day. I had a client today, we were talking, like, she's an actress, she's working on a pilot. I'm not saying her name, so no one gets to know who she is, right? Mm -hmm. But um, our conversation today was about her relationship with the word relax and the world telling her to relax, and that word has become a bad word. And it was such an interesting conversation, right? It was like, it was better than interesting. It was like, we fucking found a word that worked for her. That was the word that this, the, the ethos of what relax means. And like someone telling her to take a bubble bath isn't actually how she gets nurtured. That's not actually going to nurture her spirit and her soul. She has a very different way of like, she had to define her way of nurturing herself. And so much like, go to the spa, get a massage. It was like, not, that wasn't where she felt alive or rested. Yeah. Like an alive is rested, alive and rested is kind of what she was looking for, both of those things being true. And so that was such an interesting conversation. So that's not a conversation about her getting her pilot sold at all. No, right? and that's what I love is that like, 
I think when like when you're talking about being an actor coach, you think of like, oh, I'm going to help them get a manager and an agent, which is something you do. But I think that uh, delving deeper into that and getting it into like a psychological world yeah. is different for those of us. I mean, there's a handful of actors who haven't been to therapy, <laughs> <laughs> only a handful. And I was one of them. So this is probably the closest thing to like a similar to the therapy I've done. But I think acting is such a creative venture that you really just have to be interlocked in that in both ways. I feel yeah. like it goes both ways. So I think it's really cool that it's not just about the business coaching. Yeah, and now here's the thing. Uh, that business coaching, this is what I've, and Sam, I think you know this already, is like, I know all that business coaching. Yes, yes, send emails. Reach out to this person. Get this email. How to use MailChimp. How do you send a postcard? Da, 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 da. Like all of that I have in spades of the how-tos, <laughs> right? And what I usually find is like in a coaching session, okay, the last 15 minutes, let's give you the all how-tos because we've gotten to the place where it makes sense in this moment. You understand why you're doing it and you will take the action because you're so pumped to have it be that you know the payoff and you understand where it's going to lead you next. I think that's what the conversation is so interesting, right? Cool. And the thing – and I – wholeheartedly believe in therapy and I see a therapist myself. And so to kind of help your listeners, if you guys have ever worked with a coach, I hate to say you guys, you gals, you, everyone's who's listening. Um, I say you guys, you guys are great. So, um, uh, therapy is, is looking at your past and seeing how it's affecting your present and coaching is looking at your present and seeing how you want to affect your future. So both are valid and helpful, but they just are working in different ways. Right? So I think that coaching can look therapeutic at times and therapy can look like coaching at times, mm -hmm. but the difference is the coaching that you're doing with me is we're going to get to the business know-how. You're not going to get that in the, um, you're not going to get that in a therapy session. Right. Yeah. You know, they're not going to turn to you and be like, and this is how you send a postcard. Right. So, uh, <laughs> that's part of it. Yeah. yeah. How does your day-to-day -day life structure then if you, this is also just good to know for anyone who a lot of actors have their own side hustle. We jump from job to job, from thing to thing. Um, for you, you take on a lot of people's energy all day long. What is your structure of your day and how do you also keep yourself fresh and clear as you channel different take on different people, different tasks. That's such a wonderful question, Sam. I'm so delighted by it because a lot of people don't look at that, that what's necessary to do that. Oh my God, I think about it all the time. And I will, that, good. I'm really glad to hear you say that. So, um, and I, as someone who I know is really mindful about her own hours of day and sleep and all that stuff, I think that's really important. So for me, I took me a while to figure this out. So for a while, this is so crazy. I had a, uh, I have an online schedule so people, clients can schedule with me and it used to be like any hour I'm available, schedule an appointment with me. Right. And I was like, this is horrible. Like I would be like six hours in a day and I would like, this is no, absolutely not. This cannot be. So I didn't, and I couldn't figure out. And like, so technically I was like, look, I'm so technologically savvy. And I was like, oh my gosh, the technology does not match my internal technology. Like I'm not able to do that. Right. And that's, I think actually really interesting. Cause I think that relates to what we talked about in terms of who you're being to be able to do the how to's like, that's exactly what it's like. Right. So I figured out really quickly that seeing four clients in a day or more Four clients is really good for me. I can do five or six depending on how I take care of myself. So like I really had to figure this out by by annoyance. I think annoyance is the mother of invention in my life. Yeah. So I think they say necessity is. I will say it's annoyance. It's not necessity because it's like <laughs> I'm like this is not working. How can I fix it? And I, I actually think that annoyance is my number one alarm from the universe or God or whatever guy, word you guys mm -hmm. want to use to get me to wake up to something. So I'm really – if I get annoyed or cranky or something rubs the wrong way, like I like – the second after I have that feeling, I'm looking at like, oh, wait, what's here that I can learn? What's here that I can change? Like that's how I figured it out. And so what I realized is, you know, I can do two back-to-back. This is, I'll tell you like a typical day is today yeah. I had this, right? I had a 10 a.m. and 11 a.m. Okay. I have an hour for lunch. I have a 12 and a 1 and a 1 and a 2. Okay. Got it? And then I have 
the rest of the day is my work on the business day. So there's days when I'll see three in the afternoon, right? But that hour in between is so perfect for me, that hour lunch. And in that hour, I have to be really mindful of don't jump right to your computer. Fucking eat something because that's a real good one for me to forget, right? Uh I had to make sure that I had food delivery because I'm not a good cook for myself person. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes I need to flip on like Netflix for 20 minutes, honestly. I found out that that's really helpful for me because I need to let my mind just go somewhere else. So when the next person comes, I'm curious and not actually thinking about anything as opposed to even my business. Because the truth is if I get invested in my business for that hour, when that next person comes in, I'll be thinking about like, what email did I not set? Like, I want to be fully present to what's going on here. And it's so lovely to like, Go to the, let me eat this freaking frittata and watch some Orange is the New Black. Like yeah. that just gets my brain in a great place again. Uh-huh. You understand this. You have a, don't you have a day like that too? Say, if I, when I stop and eat lunch between activities, I turn on like a dumb reality show because I just need to be able to do what I want to do and turn off my brain in yeah. some capacity. Yeah. There's something about also what you said I want to drill down into, which is do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. When you follow your impulse for doing what you want to do, I think you return to yourself. In a moment. Yeah, I like that. So I've often tell, sometimes I'll tell clients, like, have a day where you only follow what you want to do. I don't say this, like, in a hedonistic, let's all go do cocaine and have sex all day. <laughs> but, like, a, like, you literally follow your impulses all day, right? Mm-hmm. And you would say in acting class, your, a teacher might say to you, like, follow your impulse. You're not following your impulse here, right? And if you, you set a day where you're actually going to follow those, it changes who you're, who you're being. Oh, I'm really thinking about what I would do in a day like that. It kind of makes your to-do list go away, but it also makes your to-do list get done, too. Like, it might be like, oh, I really shouldn't make my bed right now. Bitch, you had the intention to make your bed. Make your bed. Like, yeah. you suddenly have this new voice, and you'll find that, like, there's a lot of learning there. I like that. If you do it for a day, even, it's it's interesting. Hard when you're in a relationship, because you're going to be like, mm, I don't want to. Like, you have to really scope out <laughs> the time your for yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, so, energy, I hope that kind of, exp- I also know that, like, I have to go to bed early if I have a big day of clients like I have to just, I want to be present to them um on my Tuesdays I have a really long day because Tuesday mornings I do a uh, um, I do a Facebook live every Tuesday morning mm-hmm. they're great I'm gonna attach it to the show notes okay great they're so good good I would yeah. love for people to tune in um so I do a Facebook live early in the morning and then I do a two-hour class um I'm studying to be a spiritual director and a reverend just so you guys know super you know no big deal um so cool. but my reverendship is a non-denominational spirituality right okay. so it's a two-hour class where we're reading and talking to a reverend for there's six of us in the class it's in Intimate. So my Tuesdays are a long day, mm-hmm. but so I built this day really special for myself. So I have the, my early morning breakfast club. I have my class. I see, I have a break for, you know, grab a bite for a second that I have two clients and then at two, and then I have a break for lunch, a longer break. And then at two o'clock in the afternoon, my assistant comes to my home on that day. And I'm someone who I know I thrive when there's someone else there. So on a day that's a little bit longer, a person is showing up so that I stay energetic does that make sense? Yep. Like I'm gonna, so that kind of helps me on that day. I know that about myself. Mm-hmm. And then also, I'll say like for even for me, for those of you who've got your hustles that you're trying to juggle, um, you know, Sam, you and I have talked about this about creating like dude, the way your schedule. You want it to really look like you'll find yeah. Sam. Just so you know, you can never book a schedule with me on Monday or Friday. You never know. You probably didn't notice this. It's very mm-hmm. rare that I will accept an in-person client on a Monday or Friday because that way, if I decide to travel for the weekend, I can be in Palm Springs, San Francisco, wherever, and on Monday and Friday, I can take them as phone calls. That's when right. I am going to be in town, sometimes I'll just like release the appointments because I don't care, but it just makes, it makes my life a little easier to know that. Those are great. And so in, when you first started out and you had to, you were like, ta- not like had to, but you were taking on probably yeah. more clients than you needed to at the time. I guess what were ways in that time? Cause you're big on the nurturing yourself and yes. taking care of yourself. What were ways in that, that you kind of took care of yourself? Because a lot of 
actors I think out there right now are, you know, taking on a lot of auditions they don't necessarily care for. Sure. Taking on jobs they don't necessarily want to do because we're just all kind of getting by for a couple of years at some point. Sure. And I'm kind of, I feel like I'm on the outskirts of that at a point. I'm kind of getting out of that. Yeah, you are. Thank God, I'm fucking 30. (laughs) It's time. But but that being said, in those those jam-packed times, what do you know? Is there any like small things? Sure, yeah. Let's talk about the hustle for a second. You're talking about the hustle. hustle. Girl. Okay, so first of all, I want to talk about the platitude that you've all been sold that makes me crazy, which is to say yes to everything. Yes. And I'm like, bitch who said that needs to be slapped. (laughs) Um, And I'm saying bitch like man or woman. I just want you to know, I don't use bitch for woman. I use bitch for everybody. So just so we're clear on that. So that bitch needs to be slapped because... Saying yes to everything is not a way to live your life. There's a, there's something called essentialism, if you guys care to look it up. It's about the, there's something about the ability to say no. And what is important to me is, you know, if you're in the beginning of your career, yes, saying yes to a lot of things is really helpful because you need to be in some shitty sets where things don't go well and you learn something from there. Like, how would I do this differently? How is the camera working? Oh, it's a shitty set, but I'm doing scene A here and I'm doing scene B at this time. How do I thread the thoughts as the actor from scene A to scene B? Who fucking cares if the camera looks good because I haven't had this experience before and this experience is my classroom. Like, I have a real big... um, like, it pisses me off when actors are like, I don't want to do student films anymore. And I'm like, great, you haven't done enough film to do something other than a student film. We do need to, like, I, we need to, I, like, think of it as, like, sowing our wild oats as opposed to putting in our time. Like, go make that film your classroom. And if it's not something you're going to do where you're going to book somebody else's, make your own is kind of a good way to do that. Mm-hmm. But I actually love you being on someone else's because then you get the ability to, who do I need to be on a set where things aren't going exactly as I expected them to? I and I will that. tell you, in the hundreds of sets that I've been on, there are many, I mean, I had a director say to me, I need you to be more gay in this commercial. So I don't have, I uh, never play gay in commercials, but I booked the, f- oh wait, this is crazy. I booked the first uh, national campaign with a gay character as one of the main people in the commercial. So I was, just, I was in like, was like six commercials for Special K Serial. Uh-huh. They aired in Canada and the character was supposed to be bla- like overtly gay, um, which is probably not accept- not okay to put on television nowadays. But like, and they were like, Sounds you need like to be- early 2000s. Right, right, yeah, yeah. And I needed to be gay, more gay. Like I never play gay in commercials. I'm always playing just a nice, handsome, very young and gorgeous dad. Uh, <laughs> but, and this one I had, so like gave me, so what I was saying about this is I had been on so many lame student film sets not that every student film set is bad by the way I want to make sure we hear that loud and clear Mm-mm. but like I've been on so many that like I was not going to reveal to the whole room that it's not okay to talk to me that way I will deal with that if I have to stand up for myself it wasn't that kind of moment yep. um, so in terms of the hustle let me get back to the question managing the hustle uh, actors got to get good about money that's one of the first things you, I think that we have this mentality. I just got to get this other survival job or thrival job or freedom job, whatever the fuck you want to call it. It's all the same thing. All it means is money coming in so I can afford my rent and live my life. Mm-hmm. And actors are afraid to look at money. And there's something about this two-sided coin that's helpful because there's something about being all of my acting jobs are a gift if I get them. If the money comes, it's a gift, so I don't have to rely on them. So I'm eat, when I go to auditions, I'm not tight because I'm not relying on the money from that. I think that's a gift in this perspective. Mm-hmm. But there's a little bit of that bleeds over into magical thinking when it comes to how much money do I need to live. Right. So how many hours a day do I need to actually work to make this money? And so it's interesting when I talk to actors, like some actors who have serving jobs do a really great job at making sure they work exactly three nights a week. They make this much money. This is how they pay the rent. But if you really write out your income and your expenses, it becomes a lot different. I'm going to make sure that your people get my fancy little tool. Oh yes, please. That can help you get clean with your, get clean with your finances. And I think the first thing to do is just to look at them. Honestly, just to look at them as the first step. I have so many friends who are like, 
I just don't want to look at my bank statement right now. And I'm like, you guys, that's yeah. so crazy to me. And like, the truth is it's not going to change because you looked at it. Right. Right. It's not like one of those nor quantum physics a, moments. Nor is avoiding it like going to magically no, make fix it disappear. It. Right. And so uh, that's the first thing is actors need to get smart. And I think that actors um, should get an education about money. Mm-hmm. Take a course. Find something online. I think a few people. Didn't you say you did one before? Uh, yeah, the Actors Fund. I'm actually writing an article about it right now. Right. It's great free classes. I love that. Of course they're free. That's perfect. So I really am a big advocate for just educating yourself about money, first of all. And then in terms of the hustle is... Um, the hustle sucks. I mean, I'm not trying to paint a pink and yellow happy sunshine over it. Um, but I will say that if there's a way for you to find the elements of self-care that actually make a difference in your life, and I I really am a huge fan of self-care, meaning what are the daily habits and behaviors you do to, my definition of self-care, what are the daily behaviors and habits that you take to keep yourself out of fatigue, overwhelm, anxiety, and depression? So, self-care I think often gets a like get a manicure get a massage go away for three days like that's to me that photo on Instagram of a bubble bath (laughs) right that is to me that is like beyond that's that's self-care like indulgences Mm -hmm. I'm looking for what are your self-care things you do every day and a lot of these things what I think is we don't turn on our radar around how we're doing this already so if that's like taking the shoes that are more comfortable to walk in then on your way to your audition to me, that equals self-care. And the sooner you start to identify the ways you take care of yourself, then I think this other character in your life shows up, which is the taking care of yourself character. You can give it a name. Like I know mine, mine feels a lot like my mom, even though my mom didn't say half the things that this character now says to me, right? <laughs> my mom used to always say, can you just sit still for a little while? And like that voice has become a lot more than just sit still. Like it's the food delivery in my house. It's the t- going to bed early. It's the having a place to put my keys when I walk in the door so I never lose them. Like those tiny things to me equal part of what self-care is always having a like for us to live in LA for me it's always having like a bar like you've talked about this having a bar in your glove box so that you don't lose your mind and become the hangry bitch Mm -hmm. right and the other thing is I think that in the hustle you're probably trying to have a relationship or if you're not you're in a relationship with your family or your roommate or whatever in hungry angry lonely tired which is something that I steal from um, AA so I work with a lot of people who are in recovery as well um, and hungry, angry, lonely, tired is an acronym that they use. If you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, you probably shouldn't have a deep conversation. I love that. You probably shouldn't talk about something important with your partner. Deal with the hungry, angry, lonely, tired first. It's when you're susceptible. So they're using that as a guide for when you're susceptible to like slipping or something, mm-hmm. right? Or other ways. Right? But if you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, like deal with that piece. Get a friend near you. Take a nap. Eat something. I'm not good at knowing that hunger has shown up for my life, actually. My boyfriend's like, I think it's time to eat. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I wish that was an issue for me. Really? <laughs> no. that's, that's like my, when I walk in the door when I get home, like, I should probably eat. Really? That's like my cue when I get home, which could be good or bad. But to yeah, me, sure, it's sure. like, Just I'm, eat. I'm touching base. Like, while I'm here, I should eat something because I hate eating in my car. That is one of the things that I learned very quickly. Really? It was something yeah. that, like, made me crazy. Nothing is grosser than like sitting in your driver's seat with like in like a dirty car, yeah. eating a meal, especially when you forget a fork and you oh, have to use like me, half an avocado to scoop I, a salad. I, I'm just gonna say that I sometimes am secret fast food eater from time to time. I'm sure you never do, but when I'm like having the day where like I might kill someone, so mm-hmm. I will definitely make a little Taco Bell moment and have like a taco in my car and feel really good about my life. Oh. Because I would never you have fast what? food otherwise. But if that makes you feel good, that makes you feel good. <laughs> but not often. Taco it's a Bell very rare moment. Taco Bell makes me feel drunk. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, perfect. Uh, okay, so that kind of tackles like bringing the stress down then. Because I hope that's so. something that, I mean, I feel like everyone's I also, kind of well, running you know, I, on um, so, uh, so I want to say one of the things I think is important 
is to know what nurtures yourself. You know, I started with that when I was talking about the, the woman who was dealing with the word relax is what nurtures you may not be what nurtures somebody else. So I think it's important to look at, like I said, the rough edges where you actually feel it. Um, and the truth about all of the hustle is it's going to call for fucking discipline. And, you know, you want to have fun. I want to stay up late after I finish my shift or da, 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 da. And like, it's going to mean don't. It's going to mean discipline. And I think that, is it Buddha who says you achieve so little because your mind is so undisciplined? I mean, that's about your mind, but I think it has to do with your body too. When we're talking about the hustle, we're also talking about our bodies. And I think the things that actors believe is like money and time, they can, you have shitty relationships with, but at least you can try to like figure out how much money or time you have. The one quotient that I think you just overplay, all of us overplay is our energy quotient. Those are the three ones I'm always looking at. Money, time, and energy. And like, we believe we're completely expendable. I can do it, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. Sleep when I'm dead. I hate yeah. that saying so much. Yeah. It's so stupid. Yeah, so stupid. you guys. It's so good for you. (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk about the business side of stuff then. In terms of business, because we fit on a lot of like life nurturing type of things. Yeah. The business side of your coaching, what are the things you hit on? And because we talked about some of them in the mastery class for the actor salon. Great. And I kind of want to touch on those because I think those are things that we kind of have control over as actors. And oftentimes it feels like we have no control over the business side. Um, but the way you explain it, I feel like we have a lot more. Yeah. So first of all, I want to start that all of everything that I do in the business, I want to be – so karmically, universally, God, whatever word you use, I believe that everything you do in the business can be rooted in your desire. So I believe you, desires are planted in you by the universe. So your desire to be an actor, the way that you want to be an actor and you want to be a mailman and you want to work at Starbucks and you want to be an accountant, that the that the universe plants that in you so that while you're living your life, you will take the steps and interact with the people that you need to interact with so that you will self-actualize and so that those people will have to watch you along your journey or experience you so that they can self-actualize in their lifetime. So even so far as the person who does your retouching on your headshots, the way that the way that God or the universe leads you to that person is by making this desire be planted in you so you will line up to be meeting that person at this given time. The reason why Sam lives in LA is because she wants to be an actress. She is an actress, but I mean, because that's the that's the desire she's working mm-hmm. towards, right? And so the reason why your family experiences a daughter living in LA is because this desire was planted in you. So it all comes back to the desire, which I believe again is planted in us by the universe. If you're gonna get really like metaphysical on this. This is an St. Ignatius is kind of the person who came up with this thought system. And I think that's really cool. So the way that an acorn desires to be an oak tree, that's how it expresses itself. So whatever gave you that desire, isn't going to abandon you and be like, be an actor. See you later, bitch. Right. It's like, (laughs) but what happens to us, I think is we get this idea of like, I'm going to be an actress now world. Now that I'm on the world, will you tell me exactly how to be an actor? And so we get clogged by this is the right headshot to get. This is the way to get the manager. This is the way to get an agent. We get really stuck and everyone's doing the exact same thing because we're following what the world said is the right way to do it. So my business plan for all that is to let it move out of your desire. And we have to be really good listeners for what the universe wants for you. So I'm going to go into some of the specifics of this and I'm going to see how each of them tie into letting the universe lead the way. Okay. So I'm going to use networking for a second because we all think we hate the word networking. It's a gross. I always say in my it class. It comes up in every single podcast. Does it I've really? Tell me. Done. Yes. Tell me. Every single podcast we've hit on what people think networking is. Yeah. And what it actually is. Wow. How people think it's like, you know, going to a party, giving out business cards. Hey, call me. Mm-hmm. And it turns into, you know, the people you're uh, having lunch with tomorrow, that's your network. Yeah. The people you're already hanging out with, the people you've already been influenced, you already have a network. You just don't realize it. Like, yes. this is a little bit of a tangent, but the guy, so in 
college, I auditioned. I drove to Kansas City in the summer when I was working at a summer camp in Illinois. I drove to Kansas City, and I I, dr- I used to drive to Oklahoma like once a month to okay. audition. I drove all over. So I drove to Kansas City to go to an audition, and I met with this guy who's making the short, and it was like a paid gig, and I was like, oh, my God. And I thought I killed it, and I I – went back to my summer camp to work in Illinois and I got a call like a week later and the guy was like, you know, Sam, it's the director. He said to me, so he left me a voicemail because I didn't have any service who lived in the woods. And he <laughs> said, you didn't get it, but I really liked you. Thank you so much for coming in. And I beat myself up with that forever. I was like, oh man, my big audition in Kansas City, <laughs> which is funny now. And then cut to five years later, I get booked on a movie. Well, I could show up for my call back for this movie that I actually ended up booking. And the guy who's booked and reading opposite me for my boyfriend is the director of that movie. Wow. His name was Jared. And we ended up playing boyfriend and girlfriend. And like we've caught up ever since then. So now we're like back in each other's circles. And it's just funny that like that came back up. And if I wouldn't have known him, we probably wouldn't have had the audition we did, yeah. which wouldn't have gotten me that role in the movie. And it's it's crazy. And yeah. P.S. The reason I didn't get the job is because they brought in a guest director, and he brought in his own actors. Or else <laughs> it was supposed to be me. Exactly. But, yeah. but that's but knowing that that was my quote unquote network was yeah. already in place. I just didn't know it. Yeah. So those are the stories that like I yeah. think are so interesting. So go on. Yeah. So and you, I align a lot with what you've just said in terms of the network thing, and also the idea, even the learning you got around not getting the part. You probably won't beat yourself up like that ever again. No. I hope not. No, especially right. knowing that I booked it. He just literally brought in a new director. Right, and right. I was like, oh. <laughs> um, so the the way that I think of networking is uh, just like you're desiring to be an actor, your desire is to pursue acting. Um, you know, let's say you went to an event, right? And Steven Spielberg is going to be on the panel. So you really want to go and you want to meet Steven Spielberg because he's going to be on the panel. Well, Steven Spielberg is the North Star, and that's why you're going. You're going to go see that, right? But those people who rush the stage at the end of that panel to go meet Steven Spielberg are – not are negating the magic of the universe putting that person who sat next to them in the audience. So just in case anyone isn't clear, I don't know if you guys are getting smoke signals from the universe, but the way that I get the universe is from the people in my life, their mouths, their hands, their eyes, their ears, their emails, right? Their, their, their <laughs> messages, right? So the, the, that's all that the universe has to talk to you. And so when the universe puts the person next to you, that's the person you need to meet because that person has a whole network of people that you're interested in, going to be interested in what you're doing it's on both sides of you. And what the, the trick that I find, or trick, I hate to use the word trick because this feels like a real spiritual foundation, is when you go to an event like that, before you go, I know that the nerves come up of like, ugh, networking gross, blah, 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 blah. Sit in your car for like a minute and a half and just blast the entire audience that you haven't even met yet with love and you will show up differently. Imagine yourself blasting everyone there with just with love and watch how you show up. Every person there is going through some degree of what you're going through and your ability to say like, my first function on this planet is to love. You're going to be a fuck of a lot better than a lot of people showed up there. Like you're just going to be a really great place to help them show up. And then that's how relationships start. And you know, I always think about Mean Girls. I'm sure we've all seen the movie Mean Girls. The best movie of all time, yeah. Right, right. So uh, by the end of the movie, they're not friends. You know, they show that little moment at the end where they're all hanging out with different friends, right? I think... Gretchen Reiner has made friends with all these like Korean girls or something like, right? The hot Asians. Yes, right, right, right. (laughs) So, um, because negativity never creates a lasting relationship. 
So, and they're bonding over bitchiness and mm -hmm. criticism, right? So your ability to show up and like, oh my gosh, Steven Spielberg, how excited. What brought you here tonight? Like that is such an easy networking moment. And so I always say, when you go to an event, your job is to make one friend. You'll probably make more than more. But if you make your mission to make one, or even to think of it as my job tonight is to make one person more comfortable. What a different perspective that. is that, right? Because everyone's a little uncomfortable there. If that's like, oh, did you want to sit here, please? Like, I always say the best place to sit at a, a stand at a party is right by the front door because when people arrive at a, you know what you're like when you arrive at a party. You're like, where's my friends? Scoping. Where are they? Scoping. Like, am I here too early? Am I wearing the right thing? If you stand by the door and you're like, hey, how are you? What brings you to this party? And you don't even know that person. That person will be so relieved. You're like a freaking message in a bottle moment. Like, it's so good. I think it's a great place. So anyway, that's that. my that's my networking, right? Um, and then some other foundational ways of working. You wanted me to talk a little bit more nuts and bolts. Yeah. Yeah. Like some businessy, some business stuff. So this applies also, I think when we're talking about meeting with managers and agents. And so we typically will go to that meeting as I, this is what I, this is what makes me crazy. Like I'll have people do fake meetings with me as a manager or agent and they will treat me like I'm a bouncer in a club and they're talking to me like they're proving to themselves that they belong in the room. And their resume then becomes their ID. Like this ID proves that I'm over 21, so I should be able to talk to you. And when you thrust me into the bouncer position, like please let, it, let me be worthy enough to be in this club with you. And like you start talking about your accolades and your accomplishments and where you went to school and why you should be seen and da 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 da. And like I did this project and that you start just reciting your resume. Um, it makes me uncomfortable. I didn't ask to be made into a bouncer. What you've actually done is you've grabbed me by the hand and taken us both to hell for that moment. <laughs> If we think of heaven on earth and hell on earth, right? Because that's the way, I, actually, only way I think of heaven and hell is you've just thrust us out of the ability to both live in our function. And it's your fault. That's your fault, not theirs. Yeah. I mean, that isn't to say you might never have a meeting with a manager who's, you know, highfalutin and on their high horse and power hungry, right? But I'm saying, you know, you have the power to be the miracle worker in that moment to show up as like, wow, it's really great to meet you. And then they ask you the question, what have you been up to lately? And you're like, tell me about yourself. You, we go to this place of like, well, I've been to this project and I recently did it. And you know, I have a trick for this. I'm going to tell you, Sam's smiling over there. Um, the trick is to, you know, you're going to be entering an erotic space in that moment. So give yourself some things, something to lean on. So you don't go to your default neediness or your or unworthiness. And that is to say one personal, one professional thing that's going on with you. And the best person to watch this is to just watch Kelly Ripa. She does a great job of just being herself. And the truth is what Kelly does is she sings the song of her enthusiasm and you don't care what she's saying. She could be enthusiastically negative about something, but you're interested. <laughs> like, I hate it. It was horrible. Da, da, da. She's like so into it. I'm not saying mimic her, but what she's unabashedly doing is sharing her opinion and why she's excited. And so when you're meeting them, just talk about two things you're excited about. One personal, one professional. And I don't, and here's what we tend to do. Well, I booked this commercial and it was, but it was non-union. Right. Or I, Always. yeah, or I had an audition, but I don't think I got it. Or I'm doing my a web series, but it's my friend's web series. We shit on our wins. We do. All the time. Why do we do that. We're trying to be humble or something. It's everyone like, does that. It's, and you know Not what? just actors too. Like everybody. Everyone does. Yeah, everyone does it. And so. Also, also, the Midwest yeah. thing to do is like someone's like, "Oh, da 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 da, da. Um, I love your shirt. Oh, thanks. It was on sale. It was yeah, like five yeah. We make it small. We make it small, right? <laughs> so here's what's fucked up about that. It doesn't allow the person sitting across from you to shine, because it says to them, "I'm not going to shine too much, so maybe I shouldn't. You shouldn't either." It doesn't give them permission. Mm. So there's some degree of like, you know, let's play it out once. Let's try it for your listeners. You ask me, and I'll do something. Okay, ready? Go. Okay. 
Tell me what I've been, ask me what I've been up to lately. Oh, um, Brian, what have you been up to lately? Um, you know, I'm really, really excited. My boyfriend was just in London and he gets back tonight. And one of my dear friends is performing in cabaret uh, here in LA and he's going on as the MC. He's the understudy, but he's going on. So I'm really excited to go see him tonight. He's he used to be a coach for my business. Uh, I'm an actor. I'm a life or I'm a life and career coach. I work with actors. So I'm cutting myself off now, stopping the improv, Beautiful. right? So <laughs> I went from personal to professional as I started to talk about my coaching career, right? And so you can talk about something in the future even, but what the, and also don't talk as fast as I am. I'm on a podcast talking fast so I can <laughs> squeeze everything in so you can get the most juice out of this moment. Um, but when you talk about what you're excited about, you grant permission for the other person to feel safe talking about what they're excited about. And you know what feels good? Talking about what makes you happy. It, they, you know, and I think that a lot of times if we say things like, well, I booked a commercial, but it was non-union, you know, my face is smiling until you say, but it was non-union. So then I feel like I can't actually ask you about it because I'm like, okay, well, maybe this was a bad thing. Like, I don't know how to handle this yet. You've given me a little bit of baggage. Can I talk about it? But if you say, I booked a commercial, I'm really excited about it because I get to play this character that I, I play it all the time. I always play this dad, but this time I get to be playing with kids and I love when there's kids on set. Like, it, did I care about how much money you got booked for this fucking job? No, I care about how excited you are about it. So if you have baggage because you said yes to your friend's stupid web series, that's your baggage. <laughs> Don't put it on my desk, right? So you got to find what excited you about the process because then I see someone who is interested in the, in the acting game. And the other part about it, and this is the really shitty part, if you make me a bouncer, if you make me into that person you're proving, I booked a commercial, was this much money? And da 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 If you make me... Uh, into a bouncer in that moment, what it also tells me is you may not value me as a relationship. You're going to value me more for the gigs I can get you more than you're going to value me for the relationships or the, the jobs that you book. You're going to make it, you're going to make it more about, um, do I book it? Can you get me a lot of auditions as opposed to what relationships are we starting together? And I'm going to register that on some level that like this person values their resume better than their value a person. Yeah. So like when people say like my friend cast me in it, I'm always like, why would you make it small that your friend cast you in it? Who's important to you? You're like, you want the woman in the mall who's the stranger to be, think you're famous more than you want your best friend, right? And so that's really important to me that you value that relationship because that says to me how you're going to value me in your life as that a makes manager, you such agent. A more interesting person yeah. when you're a person. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is this helpful? Yeah. What okay. else should I talk about? Okay, I have something to say. Okay. <laughs> Your real is not a place to not be awesome. There are a lot of times when I say don't let perfection be the enemy of good, but your real is just not that spot. And I'm sorry that it's not, but here's the truth. Your headshots are taken by a professional. Your real needs to be taken by a professional and edited by a professional. If you're good at editing, that's really cool. And unless you're really good at editing, you shouldn't edit your own reel. Because the truth is, someone's job is to sit in front of reels all day and edit actors' reels, and they are better than you at this, unless that's your job. That's why you're really good at acting, because you devote a lot of time to thinking about acting. The reason why they're really good at making reels is they devote a lot of time thinking about reels. So why wouldn't you want someone great to do that in the same way that you have your headshot photographer do that? So that's the one place where I say, your headshots and your reel we need it, really need to be great. And those are visual mediums, so I can't like, here's what makes a good reel over the podcast right, right now. But I want to just say that that really loud and clear, that that's a place where I don't want you just to be like, show the jobs you did. That's what your resume is for. Your reel is to show you're awesome at the job. It's funny that I feel like it's more common to shell out for headshots. Like I know people who have very, very, very expensive like Dana Patrick headshots, but have like a 
homemade reel. <laughs> a butthole reel, right? So um, I would say like it doesn't mean you have to go to a real company necessarily to shoot your reel, but you can hire a cameraman and hire a sound man. And I realize I'm talking about money really quickly, but what I'll say is this is one of the places where it's, you know, beg, borrow, and steal to make your reel awesome. Like that's one of the – it's the headshots and the reel are the two things you need money for that like save for, make it great. And part of the making it great – Hey, police. Part of making it great is taking care of who you're being on set that day. And that's a really big one for me is like we – you can't be a producer and actor on the same day. Meryl Streep doesn't do it, so why the fuck do you think you should? <laughs> like let's calm the fuck down. People are like, I'm going to produce my own reel. I'm going to be on set. Okay, bitch, you're not. You're going to hire someone or ask a friend to be your producer on set. Why wouldn't you give yourself a beautiful acting day for your reel? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you want to be so proud of that acting? And to me, this is a place where, again, we have to take care of that inside work before the outside work. Um, So that's a a big place for me. Yeah. Hey, guys. Sam here real quick. I don't mean to interrupt Brian, but he just gave me the most perfect segue I can possibly think of. If you guys enjoyed last week's bonus episode with the girls of Red Mouse Pictures, they are back with just a few seconds of your time this week. Enjoy. Okay, here we go. You guys, I am so excited that we are getting sponsored this year and not just sponsored by random things like Blue Apron or HelloFresh or something, but also if they want to call me, that's fine. We are getting sponsored by businesses that are specifically for actors who listen to this podcast. And I know you guys, I talk to you guys all the time and I want to give you something that actually matters to your day. So I'm super excited to announce one of our first sponsorships of this season is with Red Mouse Pictures. And you guys have already heard about them from the bonus episode that they did, but they're here today to offer you a little special deal. So ladies, take it away. Okay. I love what we should have you everywhere. We're like the ladies of Red Mouse. Ladies of Red Mouse. Here we are. (laughs) Yeah. So if you listen to the bonus episode, then you kind of know what our process is and what we offer for original demo reels for actors. So if you came to us through One Broke Actress... You will get $50 off per scene. So if you get one scene, 50 bucks off, two scenes, $100 off, three scenes, 150 and go up from there. Sick. Yeah. That, guys, that's a, that's an awesome deal because instead you can spend that money on coaching or your wardrobe or all of the above, and that's so cool. And Karen and I get it from not only producing our own content but also being actors you know it's the financial it's a thing we're on the hustle we're on that hustle (laughs) every dollar counts so guys if you go to redmousepictures.com and when you contact them let them know you heard about this deal through the one broke actress podcast you're gonna save that money and that's super exciting so keep an eye out and ladies thank you so much thanks thanks sam thanks guys and now let's get back to the podcast there was something you could get all actors to be on the same page on. Because I know, and FYI, you work with more than just actors. Yeah, you yeah. work with all sorts of people. Yeah. Um, but since we're just focused in that niche right now, if there was like a message you could get to some actors on the whole, is yeah. there anything specifically you can think of? Yeah, this is the message. This should be at the beginning of the podcast because this is what's the most important. <laughs> and if they hear this, they'll keep listening. Which is, at some point in your life, you got the intelligence that you're supposed to be an actor. At that moment, time and space disappeared. You knew you were doing the right thing. You felt aligned with the universe. That is not a passing moment that you should treat like uh, an errant child. You need to give that the attention it deserves. And so 
your struggle to express yourself in that way. While I don't think a struggle is necessary for you to express yourself that way, I don't want to romanticize being a struggling actor at all. Mm-hmm. You must be an actor if it's been called if you've been called to be one because that's what the universe wants from you. And if you put it away for 10 years and it comes back to you in 10 years, it'll come back to you in 10 years. It will keep coming to you. And until you get the new revelation from the universe that like this is not for me, like we described in my own story, it's meant for you. And so if you can rest in the certainty that this is what you're meant to do, because I know that that question comes up way too often in the hustle. I was going to ask you how often that question comes yeah. up for, for your clients. Because- I, all, should I still be doing this? I, I didn't get that job. I'm not making money. I should. I didn't get that job. I'm not making money. I'm exhausted. How long should I keep trying? Yeah, I didn't get to go home for Christmas because I couldn't afford it to be with my family. How long should I keep trying, right? And the truth is this is until that voice has stopped talking to you, you're going to be nudged by it. And part of what I also say is by not listening to it, by not expressing it in the best way possible, you're being selfish because we need you to do that. We need you. The rest of the people, your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your boyfriend now, your boyfriend in the future, your ex-boyfriend, we need you to be on this journey because it's going to make you behave and act and do the things that are going to allow us to watch you grow. And the part that breaks my heart is, you know, I'll meet an actor who has, you know, I really put in my time. I did it, you know, and I decided to give it up. And they'll tell me a little bit about what they did on the business side. And it was shitty business. They didn't run a good business and they just don't know how. And the truth is you're not called to knowing how to run your business. So the truth, the, the shitty part of that is you're going to have to either learn about it or hire someone to help you. It is ridiculous to assume that you know how to do this on your own. And here's the fuck of it all. <laughs> you know people who have gotten there without doing the work. Honestly, and it makes you feel it, – it, it, I can't even <laughs> – I want to be very happy for them. <laughs> yeah. Comparison is a fucking bitch. It's the worst. Yeah, and Instagram doesn't help us and all that stuff. So here's the yeah. thing about it, Renny. Their soul has something else to learn right now. And what I, I want to see each of those struggles in the moment is what am I being asked to learn here? And strengthening that voice in yourself is going to be the, one of the best things to do. What is there for me to learn here? And part of it is like I would rather have you learn – how to deal with the fucked up set on the student film when the stakes are low than when you're on your series regular and they brought in an asshole director and it's your second season, but you have to deal with it, right? And so when you get there, you're going to fly through that, right? I think like, oh, but I'd love to have that problem. Great, but here's the truth. If you didn't work it out on the student film, when you got that problem, you would have blown it on set and you would have gotten fired. Yeah. yeah. So there's that. And then there's also this degree of like, the hustle that you're learning now may have to do with the hustle you won't have to do as an adult, or later, not as an adult, but like later on in your life, right? And there's also this thing of please, please, please learn through the experience of the people in your life. You don't have to learn every lesson if you can witness it. And by witnessing it, that means to hold the person's hand who's sitting across from you who's going through something tough and say, tell me about the fall. Tell me what went wrong. How can, let, me, let me listen. It, may, it calls on you to be a better person. You showed me that great video that was describing the difference between empathy and sympathy. Yeah. And I wish that I could show all actors that because I think it makes a huge difference in your work too, to know the difference between those two things. Yeah. And you know, and to sum it up really, really sympathy is telling someone what to do or like looking at it. And empathy is feeling with someone. Right. And I don't know if you guys all know Brené Brown. You've probably heard of her before, but like she really helped me with this and helped me understand this. So the one thing that I want you to hear is that you're meant to do this. So let's just like check that part off the box. And so now what do we do? 
So we can let go of that part of the hustle. It's like such a different conversation you get to have with yourself. I'm meant to do this. Okay, fine. You can be like, okay, let me, I'm an actor. Okay. All right, universe. Or like one of the ways that I'm going to offer a principle to you that I, I was taught in A Course of Miracles, for those of you who might know that, which is, listen, universe, God, whatever you use, like, I'm getting the news that you want me to be an actor. I think you want me to be an actor. Okay. So I'm challenged by XYZ. And kind of just kind of giving that in the moment, like I got this first piece, I'm challenged by this. Can you help me here? To be able to ask that question, it, what I, what I, what's really important to me also on top of what you asked is like, let's not get fucking arrogant here. That the the moment something goes wrong, we're really quick to say I'm the reason it went wrong. I fucked up the audition. I didn't do this right. I was late. I should have gone to class again. I look fat. I didn't wear the right outfit. Um, all the I all the things you fucked up. If it didn't go right, you're responsible. You're responsible. And when something goes well. It was 100% luck. It, I, I just, I'm lucky. It was a mistake that cast me. All, it did, I had nothing to do with it. Now, I don't, I strongly believe in the, the metaphysical, spiritual belief, like, of myself, I do nothing. So, like, of any moment I create, I'm co-creating with the universe, right? Mm-hmm. So to be able to hand that over really lets you fucking show up more at peace, and here's the thing about this, your rue, your religion of origin, that's the word I'm trying to coin right now. Oh. Like, so I didn't grow up with any religion. So this is not a religious thought I'm giving you guys. I'm talking about your spiritual thought. So I want to make sure that any religion of origin baggage you might have isn't getting in the way of you being able to be a spiritual being. Mm, uh, Does that make sense? Yeah, there's a lot in there. Yeah. yeah. So your religion of origin has something for you because it was probably what was given to you as a child. So your brain was really malleable then. But at this point now, your conversation with the universe can expand. And what, is it, what would it be like to walk into an audition? This is a real question. What would it be like to walk into an audition know that you're there to be aligned with what the universe wants for you in that moment? It doesn't fucking matter if you get the job. Right? You're and you're and, supposed to be. Yeah, and you know as much as I do that like when you have the audition you don't care about. I put that in quotes. Mm-hmm. You're like, I did so much better because I didn't care about it. And I really think that that's a moment to get really investigative about because we're not really not caring. It's a little bit like there were no stakes for me, or Right? There's no stakes when you know that you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do because it's, duh, it's inevitable. I'm going through that right now because I'm doing this 30-day uh, uh, Oh, yeah, I wonder challenge. where that came from. Mm, I <laughs> wonder what you suggested that idea. And uh, I'm, I'm putting out some really great tapes with some mildly good scripts. And just because I'm, I get out of the shower, it's like 7 p.m., I haven't eaten dinner, I'm like, all right, let's do this. And yeah. we just do it, and I'm like, Oh, I found some really cool stuff there. That was fun. Yeah. And usually when I do a self-tape, I'm like, oh my God, I'm just not getting it. Yeah. Oh, just fascinating. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. I totally <laughs> get that. I'm just, fuck. Yes. Yeah. I get it. And, and I hope that's helpful. I think that's like my number one thing I want actors to get. Like, yeah. please do this. I need you to do this. Your mom, we all need you. And you know, there's a reason why you're missing weddings and not getting to buy that dress or go on that vacation or spend that money. This is the reason why you're, you're meant to do this, right? And that doesn't mean, again, I don't want to romanticize suffering at all. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that abundance shows up in a lot of different ways. And this is something you need to write. You all, we all need to write this for ourselves, which is if we, attra- if we define abundance only as money, then we're really living a mundane life as opposed to a, uh, an elevated, more like spiritual or, 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 or resolute life. Because abundance could look like, I mean, I've had this experience. I shot a commercial in Pittsburgh once 
that did not pay a lot of money at all. And I was like, should I even do this commercial? It was like taking me away from my other, like my other relationships in New York, whatever. But my mom lives in Cleveland and she got to drive and spend a day with me while I was shooting this commercial. Yeah. Oh, I bet that was so, so cool like, for her. So fun, right? And like once I booked a commercial, I was like, this commercial feels a little shady and I was flying to LA and it wasn't paying that much money. Again, not paying that much money. But my best friend lived in LA. It was before I lived here and she got to come visit me on set and I got to be with her. I spent the night at her house. Like it was a whole great experience, right? Yeah. So the ability to see abundance as other than just money is really important. Abundance might look like this film pays no money, but I got to play the lead and I haven't got to do that a long time. Abundance might look like money. I'm not saying abundance doesn't look like money. I'm saying it certainly can and it will. I just want to make sure that we don't write the story of it only looking like money so that fulfillment is a very narrow category. Ugh, I love that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, we ran out of time. Oh, we did? Yeah, Did that's it still it. record? Yeah, that's our whole Okay, hour. good, great, great. Yay. Uh, okay, Yay. well, where, uh, where can everyone find you? Uh, can you go over the actor salon just for a little bit and, like, all those stuff, like social handles, all your Sure, guests. sure, sure. So, so Pimp um, yourself out. Okay, pimping, pimping, pimping. Um, I would <laughs> love you to follow me on, uh, uh, what is it called? Yeah, follow me on Instagram. There it's Brian Says That, at Brian Says That. Um, I write people back on my DMs all the time, so I would love to hear from you guys. Um, and there's also the free download for my financial download if you guys want to grab that. That's there as well. And then the my website. website. Okay, great. My website's brianpataka.com, and actorsalon.com is the group coaching experience. So Actor Salon has groups in L.A., and then we have online coaching groups. So it's uh, six to eight people in a group. A coach meets with you every single week. You come up with the most important tasks to get done in the next seven days. The reason why the group coaching exists, first and foremost, is witnessing other actors coming together with the best test you can possibly do. And also it's a more, it can be a, for some people, the price point there is better Mm -hmm. for them than one-on-one coaching where one-on-one coaching is really a deep dive into who you're being in your life. Real deep. (laughs) (laughs) Real deep. And that's of course online or in person or over the phone. And uh, the actress salon, actually, if you guys listen to the episode with Maddie Curley, um, she mentioned that being, helping her get her Kickstarter for her movie that she Oh my gosh. Maddie Curley is one of my favorite success stories ever. She did so well with us and she really, she's someone who comes in and out too which I want to make sure everyone hears that like coaching is something you can be in relationship with for a long time it's not something you have to do for a moment and leave but you can come in and out yeah yeah which cool. is amazing. Yeah. Uh, and then your Tuesday coffee talks. Oh, yeah. Oh, my sure gosh. You guys, I didn't forget to pimp my most important thing. <laughs> pimp. Okay. So Tuesday mornings at 7.15 a.m. L.A. time, 10.15 a.m. New York time, I have coffee talk with Brian. Uh, and it's actually called Brian's Breakfast Club, to be honest with you. Uh, uh, and it's uh, Tuesday mornings. Uh, there's a Facebook group. You have to join the group because the group is private. This is so that we can have really intimate conversations. Um, and you can ask anything you want. I have different topics every week, and then we dig into whatever we want to talk about. Um, and it's only 30 minutes, 7.15 to 7.45. Uh, and I put all my freebies go into that group as well. So if you join the group, you have to join the group to be able to uh, ask questions and be able to watch it. You can also listen to the instant replay. I would say half the people who tune in actually just listen to the replay. They're not listening live. Mm-hmm. The live just gives you the opportunity to ask questions that you want to ask. Yeah, the replays are great, though. You should watch all of them. Cool. And I will say that um, the a couple of them I've actually shared in other groups. Oh, really good. Yeah, I'm like, you guys should join and read this because it's so good. Oh, thank you. Uh, okay, I think that's Is it. that everything? Is that everything? Yeah, please Can follow on Instagram. I'm always posting good stuff in there that'll help you juice up your day. So mm-hmm. hope to see you guys there. Little little tidbits of happiness in that weird world. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Wait, thank you so much for having me. This really means thank a lot to you. me. I love to be able to like reach more people. And this I hope is... that this hope this changes some of your days. Please, please, please let this please keep acting. I need mm-hmm. you to. We need you to. Yeah. Thanks. I'm listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And listen to all the magic that Sam does. She's a real force for good. Oh.
We're trying. All right. Thank you so much again. My pleasure. You guys, I will talk to you in just a bit. And that brings us to the end of today's episode. Brian, thank you for this and for everything else. If you guys have ever considered working with a coach, um, I can't recommend it enough. Having someone validate your decisions in this crazy business is so awesome. And just to have that helping hand there, honestly, it's been a huge game changer for me in the past year. So I highly recommend checking out Brian, checking out the Actors Salon, the Mastery Class, and all of the other good things he has to offer. There is a ton of stuff listed in the show notes for you guys, so make sure to check that out below or at onebrokeactress.com. And as always, please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Share this podcast with your friends. Tag me on Instagram at Sam Valentine. Follow me while you're there. And that's all I have for you. So I will talk to you next week. Bye.